This is episode 12, The Ocean. episode music design and time travel this is the language of creativity podcast welcome justin hi steve how you doing thanks for joining us yeah of course this is a first time ever trying this from long distance over the internet. Justin is in Hawaii right now. I am. And I'm in California. And, you know, this is also the first time I've done a podcast at night. <laughs> so well, it's not quite night here yet. It's 5.52. Yeah, that's been the weird thing. Like, we've done some collaboration over the distance. You've done a lot of great artwork for me. And it's always trying to remember, oh, yeah, like, he's still sleeping. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But in Hawaii, that's a beautiful place. Yeah, it really kind of flipped my world upside down. The people here are amazing. The weather's amazing. and It sounds like there's a really cool community of artists and musicians. Yeah. How long have you lived now in Hawaii? Because I know you used to live in Santa Clarita, where I am. So it's been six years. It's been I moved here in 2012. Yeah, it's not super huge on the island that I'm at, but it's... It's definitely a fun community. You get to know each other really fast. Even though it's a big island, it's kind of small. <laughs> yeah, well, in coming from a small town, in air quotes, um, nothing against Santa Clarita, but you got a better deal now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I actually know you through a little artist group that you had right. been a part of here in Santa Clarita. Right. Your artist statement at the time was something like, it's boring here. Let's find other artists to get together with and do cool stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I think that was our mission, yeah. <laughs> something like that. Called it, what, what did you call it? Wait, Prox Art? Yeah, which stood for Proximity Art, am I right? Yeah, 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 that's what it was. Yeah. Prox Art. Yeah, it was a cool little group. Yeah, oh man, like, I learned so much from being a part of Prox Art. Uh, shout out to Nathan Ryan and Zachary Hill and the whole team. It was pretty awesome to be a part of that community, producing magazines and... It was just fun to be a part of people that were so inspired and then also just really ambitious. Yeah, good people. Yeah. I noticed that you guys were doing really good work and that was kind of uncommon where we grew up. <laughs> I don't know what it was. It was just like when I talked to those guys about that time period, they're all like amazed at what we were able to accomplish and we all have really fun memories of that time. Well, you guys did a magazine. At one point, I think Nathan opened up like a co-working space. Mm -hmm. What else did you guys do? We had a website and we had a bunch of shows. That was like huge. Like we were throwing events and that's kind of how the Oceanographers was born. Oh, um, yeah. My band, which you were listening to on the top of the podcast. Yeah, really good stuff. 
Thank you. So the oceanographers got their start doing gallery events. Yeah, exactly. So tell me that story. The, I don't think I know it. Well, I just don't think the oceanographers would exist if Proxart didn't have shows at the time. It was kind of like a symbiotic relationship because Proxart was throwing these shows and was like, hey, you have a band. Why don't we just like slide you in there? I was like, okay, cool. <laughs> and so at the same time that we were starting a magazine and doing all this design work and throwing shows, the oceanographers got its start. It was fun. And so what made you relocate to Hawaii? Family. Uh-huh. Family, for sure. All my family was moving back to the islands. I was born in Hawaii, and I have an aunt and uncle here, and I had my grandma here before she uh, passed away, but mm-hmm. um, got to spend some time with her before she went, and just to be close to the people that are really important. <laughs> yeah, well, that's really valuable, and I'm glad that you got to spend some time with her. It was amazing. She's an artist too. I have a lot of artists in my family and it's really cool that you're doing this podcast because I do have a lot to say about the creative process and my grandma, Kei Yokoyama, she was a painter and we have tons of paintings all over the house and I don't know if you've had any painters in the family, but... um, My grandma, actually, she was a real estate agent for most of her life. Oh, perfect. (laughs) She painted these beautiful landscapes. And I don't think I know anybody else in my family who is a painter. I'm not a visual artist. Like, I admire (laughs) what you do because I find it extremely difficult to even draw a circle. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, that's what illustrator's for. (laughs) No. Yeah. um... Yeah, I guess I, it's so hard for me to like just be in one creative avenue. I mean, we're talking about a lot of stuff right now. I'm not sure if everybody's following along, but... It's pretty common, you know, everybody I've interviewed so far. I haven't met one single media artist <laughs> in the group right. that I've interviewed. Yeah. And I've done 10 by now. So, you know, it's actually pretty common. And like even my transition over to podcasting and spoken word, I realized I always had a love of radio. So for me, it was more than just music. It's neat to see that kind of blossom in other little ways. Business has become a love of mine in the last several years. And I've started to realize how creative that is. Yeah. So I think creativity as this sort of universal language that transcends medium. Yeah, for sure. But you said that you have other artists in your family. What other formats um, were they doing? Her sister. So I guess my great aunt was a pianist. My dad was a disc jockey. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, Yeah, on the radio. So he does kind of like, I mean, before podcasting was a thing, he did interviews on the radio and program direct and all that kind of stuff. So Way cool. I think that's also my little into music is because because my dad was just so influenced by music and yeah he was always bringing home like michael jackson and all the hits and stuff so i grew up around music and so he sort of passed that on to you we're definitely an 
artistic musical family for sure. Now, sorry to get kind of personal right off the bat, but I'm aware that you lost your father recently. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, it oh, thank you. I I guess it's been about almost 3 years now. Uh-huh. And um he passed away at 55. Oh, that's and, young. Uh, yeah, it's super young. It was a surprise and um just like I mean to share one story about that. My dad was a surfer and like there's times where um, like near the end of his life, he was having kind of heart problems and stuff. So he wasn't really able to surf, but, uh, whenever we were doing errands on the big Island, he'd always want to take some time to watch the surfers. And I always thought it was like a weird thing. And I was like, you know, why do you want to spend time watching these surfers surf? We'd go out there and watch the waves and have a moment like of silence. It actually turned out to be like one of the dearest memories I have of my dad just sitting in silence next to the beach and the waves on Honolii is where we would go and the cliffs and just all these people gathering around and every single time I go back to that spot I think of my dad and I think of his passion for surfing and his passion for life Um, it's kind of amazing that something so small could be so impactful you know dad in that regard because something about the waves and the the ebb and flow and the sound and the salt air i find it purifying it's amazing the water is so healing to me hearing the waves taking in the salt water and breathing it in there's nothing like it i would hate to be on a planet without as much water like mars or <laughs> i was looking at photos of mars with my son the other day and i was like there's just a ton of desert i mean at least there's a nice cap on the top i was like what did this place used to be like three million years yeah. ago you know i mean it's a complete different place than it probably was <laughs> um, and people want to go live there and i'm thinking what about <laughs> earth this is a cool place too yeah you know? but um yeah like I don't know like how much weight you put into astrology, but my family's like all water signs. So like the oceanographers is kind of born out of this like water family. That's so cool. So 
Yeah, and not to tangent on astrology because I'll probably lose like all of my new listeners, but I've kind of gotten hip to the lingo. I used to not give any heed to that at all, but I'm also a water sign and also notice some <laughs> things about that. So yeah. uh, yes, I freaking love the water. Yeah. But definitely you strike me as very emotionally based. And that's mm-hmm. one of the things that you and I have in common right. is that, you know, sort of speaking that language of emotion through music. Yeah. And and you think that our bodies are, what, 80% water mm-hmm. and that the moon affects the tides. There's got to be something about the gravity of at least the moon, if anything else, you know. And as an emotional creature, I'm very sensitive. Right. And the more I've learned about myself in that regard, the more I've been able to be opened up for the art that's trying to come through me. I feel right. like our modern life does so much to desensitize us to the subtle or the emotional or the little things in our awareness that if you're not listening, you could really miss it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's a lot of like archetypes, which are really interesting in the storytelling aspects of it. And just the kind of like orientation that we're all different and have different personalities is, I think it's positive, even though I can't put all my eggs in that basket. (laughs) I don't think you can put all your eggs in any basket. And one of the things that I find validating about this ancient language is that the archetypes are really strong. And Mm -hmm. there's a lot of deep understanding into human nature and the human experience that is told through those stories. And, you know, I don't know how much you probably studied Jung or anything like that, but archetypes our thing <laughs> like you know no, definitely yeah and sure. i get bummed when people like totally diss something because it seems so different and they don't know anything about it but that's also one of the things about being an artist right because it's like we're hard to understand and mm-hmm. you know we, we speak a different language so sometimes it's like you know people on the outside is why don't you just do things the easy way <laughs> like how come you right. have to you know yeah yeah <laughs> it's it's frustrating i mean i hear you totally like there's things that i do that are like why am i doing that like this and <laughs> like right now i just i wrote two albums and <laughs> i have like two albums that are like ready to be recorded and most people will be like why are you writing two albums why don't you just do one and then put it out and i i play the music from the third album and i'm sad because i'm like Yeah, this is not coming out for another, you know, four or five years, so. You're not alone, because sometimes the material comes when it comes, and there's only so much music you can record and produce well in a certain period of time and promote that people can listen to, and I don't know. I mean, you almost get these, like, downloads of music, you know, that come to you all at once. I don't know if that's been your experience, but, like, you're in a writing mode, and you're just in that flow, and it's almost like nothing else matters at that time. Okay, right now, this is what I'm doing. Right now, I'm writing. Yeah. I think that's why artists are so out there for most people. It's like, oh, I thought you were doing something else. Well, now I'm writing. (laughs) Like, I'm in my now. I'm doing this now. Yeah, for sure. I also work with concept albums. So, like, everything has to fit in these boxes of concepts. And I have to say everything about that concept in that one album and then move on to another concept. So, Mm -hmm. that's kind of, like, why it's taking so long is because I feel like I haven't said everything I need to say. I love concept albums. Yeah, me too. I think the album as a format is very powerful and it's going to come back around at some point. I'm sure it kind of has with the vinyl movement, you know, kind of uh, there are people definitely getting into that. Mm -hmm. And it's, I mean, right now it's almost a counterculture, (laughs) you know? 
it's my favorite medium for sure of art even though arcade fire hasn't said that any of their albums are concept albums they might as well be because they all fit a concept Uh uh-huh like every single one so it's definitely what i am inspired by yeah so tell me a little bit more about the oceanographers you did a great video on youtube about why you called your band the oceanographers yeah and um, you said that you feel very close to the water your family feels very watery like what is it about the ocean that drew you to the name the biggest thing is probably the mystery of it and how big it is it's like to name your band the oceanographers and to go into the study of oceanography like literally is like such a epic task because you're studying this huge thing covers like 70 percent of the the surface area of the earth i know get, go get google earth and look at the like <laughs> spin it around and realize how much of the world is water it's ridiculous yeah. yeah and it's like more than half of the earth and we don't get to really inhabit it <laughs> yeah it's off limits <laughs> and it's like i mean this is goes further into is like you know it's where life developed yeah on earth and it, it's just like this it to me it's like kind of like a garden of eden and a sense of like mm-hmm. you know we as land creatures have kind of been banished from <laughs> the water <laughs> yeah well you know i mean like to me water represents the emotional and the unconscious and so what a better mm-hmm. metaphor for music yeah. and you know exactly. i think that comes through in your music it's just that really deep sense of being that's awesome man i'm really glad that we're going on this because that's really the mission of the oceanographers is um and my music is to like create like moments of transcendence mm-hmm. and what that means is different levels of accepting being different levels of connecting with spirituality like a higher power or the universe or you know Mm -hmm. connecting with things that are outside of yourself and um so that's that's definitely a huge part of the oceanographers and i'm glad that you're picking up on that even in like on the first album that is the only album that i've produced Well, in nature as well, because a lot of people who, say, don't have a form of spirituality inside of an organized religion often think of nature as their connection to God or the divine. Yeah. And I think that's especially true in Hawaii. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. When when we were in Kauai, uh, my wife and I were kayaking, and this huge sea turtle surfaced right next to us and just kind of swam along with us and it was the connection of this ancient creature this is probably 200 years old <laughs> and just just staring into its eyes and just going wow <laughs> this is amazing yeah and the islands themselves i mean there's something energizing about mm-hmm. the islands and something really connected about it and i feel like that it not only comes out in your music but it also comes out in your videos yeah like the video for questions a video for um uh, what was the other one submarine Submarine, yeah um is stellar stellar work thank you not to not to brag on you too much but you know i really like your music um because of the way (laughs) it makes me feel and um that's just one of the very special things about knowing you and your music and i i thank you i'm glad to share it with people um (laughs) yeah so what are you working on now I'm just I'm working on demos for the next two albums pretty much. Um it's uh it it's really <laughs> it's funny that we're talking about Hawaii being a spiritual place. The second album is called The Hawaii LP 
and it's about how this place has transformed me like mm. just it's super spiritual there's like you can't not confront those things when you come here i think that there's like especially with the land the connection to the land everybody is so it, there's this phrase called aloha aina which means love of the land mm-hmm. and it's about respecting the land um taking care of the land and then in return the land takes care of you mm. and um it's kind of this i mean to be a little meta it's like this idea of that we're extensions of the land everything all the food we eat is from the land and um so we need to be taking care of it and it's it's a it's a big part of uh living on an island for sure yeah you can't just use everything up because you have a much more limited sense of what's there Uh, i remember funny little things about like going there for the second time as a teenager and realizing that they didn't have certain food items that we had on this in the mainland Mm -hmm. just because you're on an island and you don't get those things there and it's it's a different way of life you you know there's also that concept of family that i think is really strong yeah um that we lack out here right so you you said that you've been able to sort of connect to that through music now through your time there yeah i hint to it on the last track of the oceanographer's album which is called the last track is called Hawaii, and I mean, it's a stark contrast to the rest of the album. The first nine songs off the first album, The Oceanographers, was written in California. It, it was really strange because, like, the story, the concept and the story is about um, these two oceanographers kind of fall in love and uh, go under the water and then resurface, and um, the guy is kind of chasing her, and she goes to this island. And I had wrote, written on this all before I reached Hawaii, and then I was like, "Oh crap!" Like <laughs> this is kind of about my life right now. Like I, <laughs> wow, I, yeah. And then so I wrote the song Hawaii, and um, I got connected to realizing that this this album is kind of about me and and so i wrote the song hawaii it it talks about how i felt first getting here and meeting the people and just the the sense of connection is real it's like you don't get this kind of connection on the mainland i'm i hate to say i think it's true it just felt like a it's it felt like a fresh breath out air i felt at like home like for the first time in my life and um i uh highly recommend anybody to like take a good month to check out hawaii because um you'll get connected to people and you'll find friends that you you know you won't get deeper connections with because it's just it it's so small and everybody has this sense of purpose and meaning to things and Mm -hmm. um it, it's something that I feel like is lost on the mainland because it's so devoid of uh, nature. I think like it's everything is so abstract, like abstracted from nature. Right. Like, there's this like especially in California, it's like you're living in a desert, but you have all this food, and it doesn't really make sense right. in your brain. Like your brain is like, how does this exist? Uh-huh. Like food and, comes and, from grocery and, stores, <laughs> and we go to yeah. what we get in it from our cars. <laughs> like. <laughs> 
And so that real connection like gets reestablished when you visit a place of nature and you know, when you're connected to the elements, you're connected to the water, you're connected to the food. Mm-hmm. And um Yeah. So that's that's something that I really wanna like try to get across in this next set of songs is just um kinda like, you know, what changed about me uh coming to Hawaii, mm-hmm. uh the people and uh just this yeah, this sense of mission and and purpose that I feel like needs to be everywhere really mm-hmm. um would you be willing to play me the first verse and the first chorus of hawaii oh yeah all right And every 
everyone, this is Justin of the Oceanographers, and I just want to thank you so much for listening to this episode of Language of Creativity. I also wanted to let you know that Stephen Levitt, the host of Language of Creativity, also does amazing work as an advisor or coach. If you're looking for advice in the music industry, starting a podcast, anything related to sound, he does this through his other company, I Create Sound. For me personally, I couldn't have gotten my first album done at all without his help. Like, Seriously, I don't think the Oceanographer's album would have been completed without his help. Um, I was knee-deep in mix reviews and just going back and forth with my mixer, and I I really didn't really know where I was headed, but Steven really helped me keep on track and helped me get the quality that I really wanted out of my music. And if you're looking for someone that has a really great ear and will put you in the right direction in anything related to sound or music... um, please check him out at iCreateSound.com and fill out a contact form so that he can get in contact with you and you guys can be on your way to musical bliss. All right, thanks. So... That song on your album, I remember when I was talking to you about that process, you weren't sure if you were going to put it on. No, I wasn't. Because it was live. Yeah. And I think you had someone play bass on it afterward. Is that right? Yep. Yeah. Yep. And I was like, yeah, man, this vibes. And it definitely goes with the record. Almost yeah. like this whole other, like kind of like what you summed up. All of a sudden it ends the record and you're like, ah. Oh. Yeah. So kind of like, where the next album is going is like Hawaii is such a like pristine song. It talks about, you know, people falling in love. It, my friend said, or my former bassist, he said, uh, it has like every kind of love on it. It has familial love. It has romantic love. It has friend, friendly love and even agape, which is like kind of like spiritual godly love. And right. Um, at the end. And, um, the contrast between Tribal Song, which is the ninth song on the album, and Hawaii is like a mass, like it's huge. And so kind of like what I want to do with the next album is talk about what happens in between Tribal Song and Hawaii, like what happens to the character, what goes to their brain dealing with this loss of this relationship, and then really learning to learn to love again and return to love, which is what Hawaii is. So mm-hmm. um, that's kind of what I'm really tackling with the next album. Definitely a lofty concept. <laughs> yeah. But I wouldn't have known that, like, on your first album, I wouldn't have known that you were doing any heavy lifting in terms of concept. It just flowed really well. Yeah. And do you find that sometimes things just come together that way, or do you find that you have to do a lot of planning to make that happen? Um, Gosh, with the first album, it all came really fast. I remember specifically, like, saying, you know, I need a song about someone 
at a beach <laughs> and so i wrote the shore and i was like okay the song is called the shore it's about someone <laughs> who's returning to the surface and i just wrote this song oh that's awesome and uh, and so like it kind of just it flowed into each other it was really easy this next like next group of songs and even the third album and you know the second third album are like way more chaotic like it's not as linear at all i have to do some more heavy lifting with the songwriting and trying to figure out how they are going to fit together mm -hmm. and really what the story is because i do like that aspect of the first album where there's a linear story where these characters you can follow these characters and they develop and they they change and you see different sides of them like you see different points of view and I really love that about the first album and I hope that I can continue uh, tapping into that for the next few albums. All right. It's tangent time. <laughs> I happen to know something about you because we've chatted quite a bit actually. And um, so I happen to know that you are a fellow ENFP. <laughs> oh yeah, I am. I am. And it was like, what? <laughs> Dude, Steve, like, I found that I, I gave that test, the Myers-Briggs test, to my best friend, Stephanie, from the mainland. And I was like, oh, you know, you should just figure out what you are. And she's like, oh, I'm an ENFP. And I'm like, gosh, I have so many <laughs> ENFPs in my life. I don't know what it is. It just, it, like, I really connect really deeply with ENFPs really fast. Well, that's what we do, right? If you want to believe the typology. Um, for those who don't know, Myers-Briggs, ENFP, the alphabet soup we're talking about is a personality test that a lot of people have taken quizzes online. What's your personality type? And you get like a four letter, you know, either you're an extrovert or an introvert and you're an intuitive or a sensor, which is kind of a misnomer, but it basically means you're a concrete thinker or an abstract thinker. You're, you're organized or disorganized. You know, there's a lot of different like generalizations that get made. But one of the things I did was get really into like Jung and the cognitive functions. And so I got like deep into like, mm -hmm. okay, so an ENFP is an intuit first. Like, so, but we're extroverted intuitive, which means we think of every possible version of something in our start of our thinking <laughs> process. And then we have yeah. this really introverted feeling process. Where we're like, okay, what do we value and believe about the world? And then based on those two combinations of things, then we might talk to someone about it like we know everything about <laughs> everything we just got totally tangential about yeah and then sometimes we introverted sense poorly <laughs> but yeah um but more or less you know i used to think that i was an infj oh, really? um <laughs> which is weird because then i was reading about how like if you're if sometimes when you mistype yourself, it's because you're actually kind of not being yourself. Hmm. And so it wasn't until I realized, like did a lot of self-exploration and growth and realized, oh my gosh, like I'm actually very extroverted and I'm very, very exuberant and joyful. And this is like my natural state. And like this other me is the depressed me. <laughs> like, you know, this is me not at right. my best. And so it's been really cool discovery process because I've sort of been able to let all my rainbow color unicornness out of the bag a little bit more and it's been really fun like i find that i thrive and creatively thrive more now that i can sort of i don't know find other like-minded people who just want to be random and talk about the universe yeah. together and 
you know, (laughs) and it all matters, but none of it matters, but isn't it awesome? And let's have fun. (laughs) And so we've had some really deep talks. I mean, that's, that's one of the things that, um, you know, I've always enjoyed since we started working together about different things that just, we've had some pretty badass conversations. We have, I mean, we talk about cryptocurrencies and all sorts of stuff. <laughs> Cryptocurrencies, man. You you tried to pay me in Bitcoin back when Bitcoin <laughs> was like $23. And I would be like a thousandaire by now. I forget how much money I would have. I probably would have sold it though because of the crash. It was I knew the crash was coming. I knew it. <laughs> yeah. You know what's you know what's so funny is um the only person who took the Bitcoin was Maria, who's the female vocalist and uh multi-instrumentalist on the first album and I ended up paying her one Bitcoin, which was which I bought for four hundred, which went up to a thousand dollars at the time that I gave it to her. So uh-huh. it was like, and now it's I don't know what it's at now. I don't follow it because it's kind of crazy to follow. But um, it's it's as of this taping, which you know by the time I air this, it's probably going to be somewhere completely different. But it was like six thousand seven hundred. Yep, exactly per so, Bitcoin. So yeah, <laughs> you know. So I'm not going to do the math on that because I'm going to be kicking myself. But the thing is, is I actually stand by my decision because I remember, dude, I had this idea when I was like 25, I had made this money on a commercial and I was like, dude, I'm going to, I'm going to invest in euros because the dollar is going to be weak and the euro is going to be strong. And yeah, I would have made like, I would have made like a hundred percent of my money, like in this (laughs) period of time, Uh, but I never did it, but I could have done it. And it's like, as an ENFP, I have ideas like this all the time. Things that look, whoa, this would be really cool. And you don't always know if, okay, this is actually a good idea or if this is just a batshit hairbrain crazy idea that would not work for whatever practical reason. But I feel like that's sort of the charm and the curse of this. Like, if there is such a thing as personality types, it's like, you know, sometimes you just, if there's so much random going on that how do you even how do you even pick one <laughs> yeah man i i have a, i have a hard time or not a hard time it's just like it's just a very chaotic like being an enfp oh yeah my point i had a point <laughs> my point was that the reason i didn't take your cryptocurrency was because i needed to get paid and I knew how like speculative and volatile currencies were and just kind of extrapolated that to cryptocurrencies. Of course, Mt. Gox got hacked and then the entire cryptocurrency thing fell apart for a very long time. Like unless you held on to that Bitcoin, most people got out and now it's it, yeah. it went up to like at one point it was almost $20,000, but that yep. was that was that recent. Was that was like 10 years later. Um, so, I mean, really you had to have a lot of foresight. So I just didn't have the stomach for it. And so I kind of, stuck by that decision yeah but it's like i'm all sitting here thinking about like how do i even know all this stuff <laughs> yeah how did i and i know you're the same way like just the number of things that interest a person like you or me yeah it's just because it's fun <laughs> yeah and that's like another <laughs> that's another thing about my songwriting like with my songwriting i really like tackle the problems in my life and it's always behind the backdrop of some big thing like the ocean with the third album it's space and with the second album it's hawaii but it, it, it's it's really hard for me to like songwrite with other people sometimes because i'm like don't you like need some like big backdrop of like space or something 
<laughs> so, like, and it, do, it doesn't make sense for them, but, uh, you know, like... I've been accused of being way too impractical. You know, yeah. when are we going to actually talk about the nine to five and when are we going to actually relate to me? I mean, that was actually, dude, there was this one songwriting seminar that this one dude was teaching. It was brilliant. He was using Myers-Briggs, but it was the intuit sensor divide, you know, practical or um, associative. And he mm. was saying that most people in the world are concrete sensory thinkers, which mm. means that m- m- they like, things that they can relate to every day, like, you know, my cup of coffee and I felt the grass beneath my feet and that's why country music is so big. Yeah. Um, but he said most songwriters are intuitives, so that means that they are abstract thinkers, so they're busy trying to paint these lofty metaphors and, like, normal people average your average like statistically average <laughs> yeah, people yeah. do not relate to it like they, yeah. what the fuck is lucy in the sky with diamonds i don't know what you're talking about like yeah <laughs> from the greatest album of all time according to rolling Stone. Yeah. yeah yeah i know so so just goes to show be your unicorn self but yeah i mean it's true and you know i find it's a struggle you know sometimes dealing with people and it's not bad it's just Sometimes I'm pretty out there and it's hard to, you know, I've made a career out of dialing it back. (laughs) For sure. You know, I think I'm kind of like letting myself out there a little bit more off the leash because it's you. But yeah, I mean, you do, you kind of have to almost like translate it sometimes to keep a collaboration going. And was that ever a struggle for you in your band? Uh, You know, it's been hard to keep members. Um, I'm not really sure what it is, but... Like that's another aspect of these these next two albums is like the first album was really built in a band setting where other people were contributing very deeply to the songwriting process. But now it's just me and it's kind of daunting because I don't know if you've ever been, I definitely really love the collaborative aspect of music and um, it's something that um, I'm missing on these next two records, but I'm hoping that some musicians will come around and um, lend their time and energy into making, uh, bringing in that energy again. But yeah, um, well, and I know as an extrovert, like I do a lot of work alone, and I finally realized that. And you can relate because you freelance in yeah. graphic design and art, and it's really hard to get things done as an extrovert who works by yourself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know yeah like and i find it finally dawned on me like what am i doing i'm trying to sit in front of a computer screen and get work done and i'm just like i can't i can't do it so i finally just started phoning a friend and be like hey dude you want to like come over and work on something with me well you know i mean we have those sessions where it's just like you know you, like you sit on facetime or you sit on messenger and you we just sit there like we don't you don't really talk, but that added energy just like really propels the whole, the whole process. And I have that with a couple other clients where it's just like, I just need them to be in the room just like in case there's anything that I need to ask. It's like, let me just vibe off your energy for a minute so I can, you know, kind of feel what you want. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Well, then also too, I mean, it's cool because then, you know, you're working on something in parallel and then all of a sudden you like kind of look over what the other person's doing. You're like, oh, hey, this. And you're like, oh yeah. Okay. And then you're off to the races, you know? And I feel like that's like, I, not everybody, not everybody works that way, but if you do work that way, that's a huge insight into maybe a, a life hack. 
yeah for you yeah. um but it has been nice it has been nice to be able to work over facetime or whatever and collaborate and uh especially because a little bit later for me you know is earlier for you so we'll work on something of mine mm-hmm. And we're maybe co-designing like something like the logo right. for this podcast, yeah. which you did an amazing Thank job you. on, by the way. Thank you. That was a, I was a pain in Justin's ass for about two weeks. <laughs> it was just, it was, it was hard to, it, it was so nuancy is the word that I was using. It was like, uh-huh. you can't, it has to be, I know the feeling that you want, but like getting there was like very nuancy <laughs> and yeah. So, yeah well what happened was i had this concept and i was like i just have to burp this off the keypad on my phone just so that the idea gets across and the idea got across but the only characters i had access to were you know hashtag pound blah 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 and we wanted to use pictograms but then like the search for pictograms was so uninspiring mm-hmm. and so non-creative that it finally dawned on me that, okay, like Justin is completely slammed by instructions and directions and that's not what he needs. Like what he needs is I'm going to send like online, I have like a virtual assistant. I'm going to like send her to go look for pictograms so that somebody else's brain can be doing the left brain shit, you know, going through a catalog of things. And then Justin can just like grab them and put them in because that was the vibe we were after. It was really strenuous. Like I didn't want it to be. Yeah, it was like, you wanted a free flowing design that like had this flow to it, but then the modality of looking at pictures and picking which one was the best was like not flowy at all. So yeah, that was the two things that I was like juggling was like, Oh, okay. Something that's like really, you know, intensive and critical and trying to be flowy with it. It was like really, really weird. It was so like a juxtaposition of opposites. And then I remember finally I had to just be like, hey, let's just sit down. And then I had to be like, okay, this one bigger. Okay, this one out. This one this, you know, and this one yeah. says this to me and this one. And it was it was kind of cool. And I kind of felt like I was that director who's like, I don't know what I want, but I'll know it when I see it. <laughs> like, famous music video director my dad worked with. He built this huge, it was like a three-story set for this music video. I forget if what? it was like Janet Jackson or something like oh, this. Dang. And like he's, he was known for these like flashy poppy videos and they show up, they build it and they show up and he's like, Nope, it's all wrong. They tore it down. They scrapped the whole thing. They probably spent like a hundred thousand dollars making this three story set piece. Gosh. And it was just gone because Nope, that's not it. Sorry. <laughs> so wow. I can, I can, uh, I can relate to the struggle. I have been on the other side of the struggle and I felt really, really awkward being on the client side being like, no, that's not right. It has to be this way. Move it a little to the left and make it bigger. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay though it was all good we got through it we did yeah so i mean let's talk about design for a minute i mean design is one of those weird areas where you are kind of making something for someone else yeah and it's like their thing and if they could make it themselves they would but they're asking you because you're the art guy who knows the art things yeah what's that like <laughs> i mean you know the way i see it it's kind of like I see it very similar to songwriting in that you're creating this very tangible thing that can help propagate the image and brand and identity or message or of the client's company. And it's like, it, 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 it very much is very similar in my mind. We're creating tangible 
assets that can really propel the brand. And so, uh, yeah, that's that's how I see it. Well, it's almost like you're taking something that's unspeakable, unknowable, mm-hmm. emotional. Uh, you're taking this idea or something kind of intangible, and you're you're giving it a form, and that form is saying all these things about your brand or your music or whatever it is that you're representing, and but it it doesn't it doesn't at the same time like who's to say that a, a thumbs up emoji means anything other than you're sticking your you know yeah. digit out of your hand but we ascribe meaning to that and so when you see a thumbs up emoji it's like it gives you this feeling of like oh we good yeah and, and why is that that's weird <laughs> i know and there's so much meaning behind it and it's just like it's like i mean i've been doing jingles too and it, the, the the power of like being able to create some art around someone's you know identity and dream and and purpose and stuff is just it's huge it, it really propels whatever you're doing um really far because it's like when you're when you're working with nothing it's like you're just amorphous it's like what is this what what, what am i trying to do what am i what am i really doing here and then when you see the logo it's like oh wow that's cool you're like have different images and you're trying to understand this very you know creativity which is just chaotic and all over the place and uh beautiful and um mysterious and interactive and so i yeah yeah i remember there was like three different layers to the realization of the idea so the first phase where you nailed it where it was like i just sent you i just want like blah just and you did and it was like you did like three different versions and it had motion and energy and it was like that was when you were fresh as the artist you know as the creative and then was like once i kind of added okay would be great to change all these parameters then it was like like coding brain like okay how i need to manipulate the program this way i need to kind of like resize and blah, blah blah and as soon as you were in like resize mode then it was like you know and i have the same thing when i do music production it's like literally I try to not make critical big picture decisions for an album while I'm editing because mm. like once I start editing words on a, you know single words and syllables in a vocal part like I'm not being objective about how that vocal's hitting me like I'm just thinking about timing and tune for that one thing right and sometimes you can really like kind of overdo it and I find that I have to sw- like I almost have this like internal practice now of switching brains you know switching between that zoom out and zoom in yeah focus because i find i have to wear both hats a lot and anymore it's like it's nice to sort of give the, <laughs> give parts of that away so that i'm not i don't even that part doesn't even like i feel like i'm the artist now who's like no i can't see the don't let me see it until it's ready <laughs> yeah <laughs> and it's so weird but i get like i get some of the stories that i hear now because you know at certain level when you're trying to prime yourself for a specific mode um too much data or too much input can sort of foil the process yeah yeah it was definitely fun there's just some it definitely changed when it went to images because it was like the images were interacting with each other because they're images you know and not just symbols and it was like yeah literally and not to get too deep into the design geek world but some of you are designers the different font sets 
the the different character sets that we were using from different artists had their own vibe yeah. and so some of them didn't <laughs> mesh together that's why i didn't want to use emojis because emojis has such a strong zeitgeist yeah and that wasn't what i was going for right, right, so right. it was like we had the emojis in there at first and it was like oh this gives us more to deal with and it's cohesive but it wasn't it wasn't the vibe so we yeah. had to strip that out and move back and it's like every step in this process it really does remind me of like making your album yeah. like you called me from Hawaii while you were making your first album and we chatted about your process. And there was definitely some times, like I remember one of the things that you said was you had a song and it was too click, but for some reason it felt kind of too stiff for you. And I said, oh, I hear that. It wants to break free and it changed tempo. Yeah. But you didn't know how to do that. So we had to go, okay, well, here's what you do. You tell the engineer to make a tempo map and change the click so that the drummer can play to that. Yeah. And it was like this whole technical layer that had to go on top of just to get something that you would normally do naturally as a band and right, everybody right. would just kind of like slow down. Yeah. But because it was a recording and the drummer was playing to a click, it was getting like murdered. Yeah. And, and that fixed it, but you wouldn't necessarily know that that would be what fixed it. You'd probably just be tearing your hair out at some point going, well, what do I do? This is, yeah. do, am I crazy? Like, is this wrong? You know, I don't know why I don't like it. And everybody's telling you it's fine. Look, it's so, it's so precise. It's so perfect. Yeah. You know, why do you not like it? And you were absolutely right about that. That needed to, that yeah. needed to change, but it needed to change in a certain way. So yeah, it's it's. I guess it's a lot when you're trying to do something well. There's a lot to know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I think that was submarine. There was like a the ending, but yeah, I do remember that. <laughs> I want to switch gears a little bit and let's talk about what are you reading lately? <laughs> so there's this book called The Power of Positivity. It's this concept that what you fill your mind with is creating your reality. And so mm-hmm. if you fill yourself up with negative ideas, negative images, you know, like a very pessimistic attitude or whatever, you're going to create like a pessimistic life and uh you're going to just see things and you're not going to see the beauty in, you know, the things that are around you and that's going to attract more of that mindset. And uh it it definitely is making me realize the power of words and um even moving forward with my music, I'm wanting to, I'm balancing between wanting to tell the truth of like what is actually happening, which can be kind of dark. And then wanting to, you know, set hope for a better outlook and leave room for manifesting a better reality. Wow. Yeah. Well, and that's so important because I'm reminded of Imagine. It's like the line, you may see I'm a dreamer, but I'm not the only one. Mm. So I think one of the biggest criticisms lobbied at a lot of artists is that when you paint a picture of what you'd like the world to be like, it's easy to be cynical Mm. and to say that that's not going to happen. Never in a million years. This is people we're dealing with. And Mm. unfortunately, if that's all you do, nothing's ever going to change. Yeah. This is true. And, I'm reminded of this story that I like this life changing moment for myself. I'm actually talking a lot more right now. Maybe it's because of nighttime talking a lot more than I usually do in these podcasts. So hopefully it's not bothering people, but like to kind of affirm what you're saying about your, your ideas about yourself, create 
a reality around you. Um, I was 23 Mm. and I had been bullied in school. So I think, you know, by this time I had taken martial arts and I'd kind of toughened up because life is tough. And, you know, I don't know. I just had this kind of like, I wouldn't even call it a chip on my shoulder, but I just, I was walking down the street and it was like by a grocery store. So it wasn't like a mean street. It was just, you know, like a shopping center and uh, kind of down the road there, uh, the other side, down the sidewalk, I saw another guy my age walking down the street. And um, all of a sudden it was like, okay, he's, he's coming. I need to be ready to defend myself. And something in me went, but, but why? And I looked at myself and I realized that, okay, well, first of all, what reason does he have to not like you? Well, none. Like, he doesn't know me. Okay. Well, then I looked at my hands and they were like clenched up in little balls. And I had this posture like I was, my shoulders were forward, you know, I was ready for a fight. And I was like, well, could that have anything to do with how this other person sees me? Mm -hmm. You know, is my belief in... I have to defend myself. Another man my age is going to try and beat me up. You know, it's my young 20s. Is that, that is like literally reading on my body right now. So in in all reality, he could see that and say, here's this other dude who's got his fist clenched and was looking all tough and I might need to defend myself. And I was like, holy crap. I'm like perpetuating this. Yeah. You know? No, Like this sure. is literally like... And so, like, that was a pivotal moment in my life. All of a sudden, I realized that thoughts matter and beliefs matter and what you think yep. will will affect yes. what you get back. And I was, like, in, a, like, a very, like, realistic way, not in this, like, kind of, like, whoa, yeah. far out thing. It was like, oh, my God. And, you know, I really started, I think that was the time where myself examination and growth like really skyrocketed because yeah. that one realization of I can change my thoughts mm -hmm. yeah just cascaded in this whole other line of questioning yeah know? for sure it's like I mean that's why I love songwriting is because I, I feel like I mean some people journal to like get their ideas out and but I songwrite to get my ideas out I don't feel like I'm developing as a person if I'm not songwriting. And it's like it reorients the situations in my life, you know, and I'm trying to become more careful of like how I uh, create things because I'm realizing that as I'm creating these things, they're becoming a reality. Like mm -hmm. the first album is about these two people that work together and they, one of them likes the other person and they can't really be together because they're colleagues. And it ended up happening in my life. I've been there. Yeah, it like ended up happening in my life. And I'm like, dang, like I created this reality because I created this art. I manifested it or some. I don't, you know, I hate using those words because they're so overused and stuff, but it really did happen. And it, it, it makes me want to create art that has a purpose that really transcends like our everyday existence into something better.
there's like so many different directions that I could agree with you on that because I'm having the same experience. Yeah. Yeah. It, and it's, I don't know. It's pretty wild. And it's making me realize the power of words to be more careful with what I create because it's going to come back to me. I know it is. And even if it's just like, you know, like orienting how you see something, there's like different perspectives that you can have. You can see it as like, oh, this was really bad or, oh, this, you know, like needs to end or something. Or you can see it as something beautiful that is going to continue with you or that you're going to hold on to for the rest of your life because it's something that shaped you. And that's the kind of perspective I want to have. But um, it's hard because, you know, when you're in the moment, it's like these emotions are real and they, you know, they shape how you see what's going on. Yeah, I think it's about doing both at the same time. And that's the paradox of the human experience is like we're simultaneously in this experience where we have to eat other life forms to exist. Yeah. Uh, what was it? Joseph Campbell who said just the act of existing is a moral hazard. Mm, yeah. And, but at the same time, really, I think it comes down to like, what do you really want? Like you, you can't, I think emotion has to be felt and experienced and you can't ignore it. But also then it's like once you've acknowledged it, it's like if you're going in and like reliving that pain over and over and over again, then are you truly living? Yeah. That's that's what so, I'm actually facing right now is because like I'm like, do I do I want to relive this pain over and over again? Well, you know, what powerful medium is songwriting that people are able to put words to emotions both joy and pain yeah and to relate to a feeling or an experience or a story that somehow becomes a part of the listener a part of them that they can then move through or work through whatever thing it is that that you're working through as an artist or maybe even you're kind of like blazing the trail for someone else to find their way out of depression or find their way out of a hurt relationship or find their way to mm-hmm. the ocean. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. I think it's a, it's a powerful calling and uh, you've got it. <laughs> Thanks. Um, There was one other thing that I don't think I've talked to you much about. Did you grow up religious at all? Yeah. So I grew up as a Christian. Yeah. Yeah. So did I. And, um, you know, it's cool talking to you about reality creating and manifestation and words are powerful and all these things. You know, it's funny because I find that as I explore, you know, ideas of of harmony and feel more and more like I get it now, <laughs> like I'm a musician, I've always known this, yeah. that it's weird to me some of the ideological constraints that I was raised with in terms of like, oh, well, you can't talk about manifesting things because that's not in the Bible. You know, Mm -hmm. like weird stuff like that. Like, I don't know what your experiences were with faith and sort of exploring spirituality, but what is that like for you? Um, So because I interact with songwriting so much, like I kind of take the Bible more as like a very powerful 
manifesting tool or art piece or it's like I don't take it as seriously as pastors make it out to be but I do take it seriously in a sense of like I believe in God I believe that he does want us to live happily and stuff but I don't think that the I mean, I don't know. We're getting controversial here, but I don't think the Bible is like the only truth. You know, there's so many books out there. How can you say that one book is like the only reflective reality or truth to life? And so that's why I take other ideas into my belief system. And I mean, I'm pretty mm-hmm. sensitive to this stuff. If Right. And that's what leads me into the areas that I go to. I have to go to places that are going to get me the most out of life because if I go into a too negative mindset or I take on a belief that I feel is a little bit too serious about the consequences of things we do every day or something, it just, it gets me in a rut and it gets me in a circle and a cycle and I'm very sensitive to these subjects. So, um, right. Yeah. So am I, that's, that's, that's how I approach the belief system is I kind of just believe the things that I think are healthy for me. Mm-hmm. And if it's not healthy or I'm find myself repeating cycles or not really getting anywhere with a belief system, I have to leave it or just lessen its hold on me. Yeah. I think faith isn't faith if you don't work through it. Like I think a faith that you don't truly believe, if it's not your faith, if it's somebody else's faith that they told you to believe, it's not actual faith. Right. And it's, yeah, I mean, it's something I explore in my music. And I've been tossing around the idea of, like, how much should God and, like, as a Christian, I was writing, like, I wrote a, a couple songs with God in it. And I realized that I wanted to write music that was more universal, that more people could interact with, more people could understand. And that's what kind of drove me to write songs that were about love and loss. And I'm going back around and I'm knocking at the door of this thing called spirituality (laughs) in my songwriting. (laughs) And I'm like, how much can I pull without alienating anybody and without it sounding like I'm shoving my belief system down people's throats, you know? And (laughs) right. Right. um, Cause I don't think anybody really appreciates that this day and age. So that's what I've been working yeah. out is like, how, how far can I push the spirituality? Yeah. People want something to connect to. I mean, I think that's what I really love about your Hawaii mm-hmm. vibes that you put out is like, everyone can relate to nature. Yeah. Everyone can relate to the ocean. Everyone can relate to yeah the transcendent beauty that exists yeah. and the feeling that you get when you're yeah out there. There's a line in there that says, um, I am satisfied in all that is, and I'm slowly learning what it means to live, healing souls of their pains from casualty. This must be why they call it Hawaii. And um, I think, (laughs) you know, I think that that's like what my version of God is, is all that is. Like people talk about this all, like preachers and pastors, they talk about God being in everything and God being in control of everything, but there's still this division, you know, like, oh, you know, you're a Christian or you're not a Christian and you either have God or you don't have God, which is like hmm. not. If God is everywhere, that, yeah. then how? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. So, so, yeah, that's like, that's how I see God is like 
all that is, all that ever will be and ever was, and, you know, surrendering to that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, But that's hard for people because if they accept that God is in all things, then they have to accept that God is in all things, even those things which are not good. And that's then, you, then you enter the school of theology. But that's that's the thing is like, I don't feel like you can actually understand a single bit of these things from your head. Yeah. I think you experience it from a heart space, you know. I mean, the thing that I, to bring attention to that concept, I think that everything stems from love. Like, I know this is kind of cliche, but... It's this idea that I have that I'm working through, which is this, you know, even people who go to war or murder, like, they're doing it from a sense of self-preservation. They're doing it from a sense of duty to their family or to their loved ones or to their country. And it's like a sense of love. It's perverted in a way because you're inhibiting somebody else's expression of love by participating in these things. But... That's how I see it, is we all do these things out of love, like either love for ourselves, love for our family. Or the desire for love, right? Yeah, or the you desire You know, sometimes the a perceived lack of love that somebody is, you know, I don't have enough, so I need to take something. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Now, so you do some writing as well, right? Like you blog, you journal, you're a thinker. I'm trying to get more into it because... As I realize, like, writing is a form of your thought process. It's like, what is going through your brain? How how coherent you write is, like, how coherent your brain is working, <laughs> is in my opinion. And it's it's the same with speaking, too. So that's why I've been, I've been trying to definitely get more of my ideas out there because I feel like I need to reflect on what it is that I'm creating. I actually don't have a journal like that's why i songwrite because that's my journal but Mm -hmm. i've been trying to write more for sure but it's definitely i remember this time in college where i was just like you know what i want to be smart like i want to be someone who is able to offer their knowledge to the world and i feel like like especially with the time capsule which is the third album it delves into a lot of scientific understanding and theories and ideas and It's just what I'm inspired by is things that are of that ilk. I don't know if I can... I wanted to share one other song with you. This song is called Back in Time, and it's this idea... It's just going to be on my third album, so it's not going to come out for a while, but it's this idea that we are going back in time every day when we access the internet. Like, it's like this podcast, for example. It's recorded history. When you're hearing it you're hearing a moment in time. And so the lyrics of Back in Time go, we're going back in time to save the future. We're going back in time to when we were free. We're going back in time to save the future. We're going back in time 2018, which is the current year. And it's always the current year because the idea is that we're accessing history, we're accessing moments in time, and we're trying to figure out how to become free, how to make our world a better place, how to have better relationships, how to, you know, orient our politics so that it works for everybody. You know, this is, these are all the things that we're facing and we're doing it on an exponential right now, you know, with how many YouTube videos get created, like 
all of this stuff. Like I want people to realize that when you're going onto the internet, you're accessing a moment in time. You're accessing the past. And so it's a pretty powerful mm. idea. And um, yeah, let's hear it. We're going back in time to save the future. We're going back in time to when we were free. Going back in time to save the future. We're going. Went back in time, 2018. One, two, oh, one, two, three, four. We're going back in time to save the future. We're going back in time to when we were free. Going back in time to save the future We're going back in time, 2018 Do you want to be under lock and key? You better learn to love your enemy Do you want to be able to be set free? You better learn to live in harmony We're going back in time to save the future We're going back in time to when we were free Going back in time to save the future We're going back in time 2018. <laughs> so where can people find you on the internet uh, in 2018 and beyond? Yeah, so you can find me at 
theoceanographers.com. It's where I place my music. And um, if you're looking for design, um, orchestrateddesign.co. Dot co. Yeah, dot co. So not dot com, mm-hmm. but dot co. Orchestrated design. Yeah, if you just look up the oceanographers, we're kind of everywhere on every social media and you can also check out our album on iTunes and Spotify and Apple Music and all that stuff. And your debut album, it's called The Oceanographers. The Oceanographers. And it's beautiful artwork on the front. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. Cool. Very, very worth picking up. You can support Justin and his music. Uh, thank you for being here, here in air quotes as well. And it was really, really fun to talk to you. Thanks, Steve. Super fun. Yeah, and good luck on your next album. Thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you for joining us on the Language of Creativity podcast. Tell your friends, tell iTunes, subscribe. Go to my website, iCreateSound.com, to make contact. And, of course, follow us on Instagram at the Language of Creativity. Again, I'm Stephen Levitt. Thank you for joining us. Join us next time on the Language of Creativity podcast.